Welcome to the Better Strangers Podcast. My name is Eric McEwen, and I am your socially awkward host for this show. So, what you're about to hear is me having a conversation with Seth Flagg. He was kind enough to submit his information at betterstrangers.com, and I called him up and we chatted. Not only do I want you to hear the awkwardness, or not awkwardness, well, we'll see how it goes, right? I want you to hear all of that. But I also want you to hear the pauses or how a conversation works or does not work. So I've left it all in, except one little part where he starts sounding like a robot because of Skype. So that's it. Enough babbling up front. I'll come back with some more analyzation on the other side of the conversation. Hey, is this Eric? Yeah, this is Eric. Oh, hey, this is Seth. Hey, Seth. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Good. You able to talk? I am. Good. All right. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, <laughs> this is this, this is it. This is the time to talk. Um, thanks for taking part. Uh, first of all. Oh well. Uh, thanks. It's, it's no problem. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see if it is a problem. <laughs> we'll see if it becomes a problem. Uh, sure thing. Yeah. Yeah, so uh where where are you from? Well, that's actually a um tough question. I guess I was born I was born in Florida, but I grew up in Nevada, Texas. Okay. And then I moved to North Carolina uh after my I I guess when I was around 11 or so. So you've been an all over Well, you probably don't remember Florida that much. No, cuz I was a Baby? I was uh, definitely actually a baby mm-hmm. at that point. That's all those repressed memories you have in your uh, infant self, right? Just do some regression therapy and get back to... Just being... have a, yeah, a weird attraction to stucco. Yeah. Oh, man. Florida has... It's, 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 it's like this... It's different. It's not like a whole bunch of stuff came together. It's just like something threw up a whole mess yeah. of. Uh... It's, yeah, it's kind of like a bunch of things came apart. Yeah, that is better. That is better than my barf analogy. Yeah, it's a uh, Florida. I don't know. Florida went so far south that it became sort of a northern state. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the old thing about Florida, but it, it doesn't. It seems to genuinely not make any sense. Yeah. From the perspective of the rest of the United States and that everything else kind of fits in with their uh, region. Mm-hmm. And Florida just exists as this final separate region, separate from anything else. Aside from the panhandle, it's kind of like its own island. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a... It's it's an island that happens to be a part of the United States. <laughs> There's probably some invisible ocean world driving across to get there driving across i've only flown there what am i saying <laughs> yeah but i was uh i was born in florida i lived in i lived actually in the border of uh of texas on okay. the south on right in the south area uh, in laredo which okay. is a border town this was before it got really bad with uh gang violence and uh and drug import exports. Mm-hmm. So, in was, the past so it was all right years. while you were there, or was it was it getting bad, and that's why the move happened? It was getting it was it was 
it had just begun to get bad mm-hmm. in that I moved before one of the first major shootings, which happened in a Target. Eee. Yeah. Which is a, is a bizarre, it's, it's, it's a weirdly ironic place for a shooting to go down, right? <laughs> right? Yes. They had the totally wrong idea on that name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, it's shocking because, I mean, gang violence tends not to happen in, in, in big box retail stores. Right, yeah, with cameras and witnesses and, uh, mm-hmm. rock bottom prices. Right. Uh, so that must have, uh, that must have been some sort of indication that whatever criminal element there had been, mm-hmm. uh, had finally become, uh, I guess in the position of power enough that it could ignore that. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty... So that was... Was that just a random strike then? Or that was... They were getting someone else? Or... You could, the, uh, if, if they were getting someone else, you think they could have waited till they were done shopping. Right. I think it was... I don't know the details, but I believe it was a gang shooting between different gangs. So they just happened to both be at Target <laughs> and open fire on each other in the same way that two people from the same church might recognize each other. Right. Gotcha. Right. That makes sense. Well, it doesn't make sense, but that's... Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah, yeah, I, I tr- never... I try not to... Uh, I try not to make eye contact with anyone in Target, so I will not have that problem. <laughs> it's funny to me that uh, Target is... Um, I don't know when uh, where I'm from now in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Walmart is is the lowest place you can go, and Target is actually a step into the uh, into the zone of the respectable. Hmm. Yeah, it's, so, it's pretty good up here in Minnesota, but I've let's see in Arizona, Targets are trashy. Mm-hmm. And I've heard, I've heard that um, in, uh, when I was in Chicago, uh, people loved the trash Target. Oh yeah. Yeah, I was. It was like it was the it was their Walmart. Hmm. That's that's. I, it's got to be. I don't know. It can't just be a regional thing. It can't be just preferences. It must be something about the way it's run. I, I guess it's, it could be run, it could be class differences. People, I, I mean, uh, people I know around here now, they're getting into places like Big Lots as their default shopping. And, huh. And which is, I mean, I, was, I would have never thought possible. I thought Big Lots <laughs> was like for, for dads, basically. Like for budget-hungry dads who wanted to buy the cheapest peanuts on the planet. Right. I thought that was a function. I thought they just sold wicker and fake plants. Right. And like a, a plant that was impossibly priced at $4 but took up a living room. <laughs> That's what I thought Big Lots was for. It's heck of a deal. Yeah, I've, mm-hmm. there's a couple around here, but I, I, don't, I don't go into them for things to buy. And that's in uh, Minnesota? Yeah. Hmm. Eh. I don't know. The uh, the recession has made a lot of people I know go, like, all step, take one step down in terms of 
their default grocery shopping experience. Yeah, that's true. But even, I don't know, it seems like the lower end stores are, I mean, the, the lowest of the low end is your family dollars and such like, and stuff like that. But even they seem to be raising their prices to, right? there, there's, you're, there's not things that are a dollar there. No, I you, haven't seen a thing for a dollar in a while. Yeah. I mean, you can call any store a dollar because it costs dollars. There's That's part of the price is one dollar. <laughs> it starts right. there. Right, this is our dollars store. Yes, they're all dollars stores. <laughs> but if you need Mylar balloons, family dollar is the way to go. <laughs> that is, that's, I guess... I guess you could, I guess a currency store is a more accurate name, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't, it doesn't convey that sense of cheapness. You could call it a cent store, but then you, you run into sort of sounding like you sell candles. You're right. Yeah. And we want to steer clear of the Yankee candle factory. I walk by Mm -hmm. that place and I just, I, I, I have to hold my breath. It's just so horrible and potent. I know there's worse things in the breath? world, but... Oh, man, I go for a deep inhale. Yeah. Oh. When I walk by the Yankee Candle store. It's a, it's, and they, they, if it's an outdoor mall, they always keep their, their doors open, so, they, so mm-hmm. they're blasting you with that scent. Mm-hmm. Even like a perfume counter isn't that bad. Yeah, I, I, I actually really get into that. I don't know what it is. I can spend a long time. Uh, at a Yank- at a Yankee candle store, and just anywhere where there are scented candles of any variety, hmm. and just go down the line. And you're you that's that's your cup of tea then. Yep, that's 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 my thing at 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 like boring stores. Uh huh. You know, like uh like bead stores. Okay. Yeah. Right. Those types of places you only go because someone has dragged you to them. Yeah. Oh, I I know I bead stores. To just, yeah, just try to. <laughs> what's your experience with bead stores? <laughs> what's my what's my opinion <laughs> on bead stores? Yeah. Oh, what's your experience with it? It sounds like you uh, you had an experience recently. Oh, not recently. Just it when you have a bad experience in a bead store, which is every experience in a bead store, it just kind of stays with you. Mm. <laughs> you know, that's some place you never want to go again. It's like being at the dentist's office, but mm-hmm. there's less of an air of even having to be there. Yeah. What it, what it is, is it's like scooping cat litter, except there's all these buckets, and you got to choose which, which pieces of poop that you want. So you're just sitting... That's right. Yeah, you're, there's all, yeah mm-hmm. all these little tiny specks of crap that you, that you aren't involved in that whoever brought you there is uh, digging through. And they're going to pick up each piece of crap, and they're going to show it to you and say, oh, this this one looks a little bit like a dolphin. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, beat stores are horrible. Fabric stores are horrible. Fabric stores are rough, yeah. They have, I, it's, there must be some chemical treatment on the fabrics there, because I get a headache if I'm there for more than, like, two minutes. I get a headache there. I kind of always, I, I guess it, I guess it's, it could be chemical. I'd always assumed it was boredom induced. Mm, that's possible. Maybe the, I don't know if you can get a headache through boredom. It's all the fabric is just sucking, just the life out of everybody. Yeah, it feels like that. There's, it feels like a, 
like there's there's no escape. I think the problem is that it not only is are you surrounded by these this kind of same thing everywhere, but it's like the same specifically soft, like mm-hmm. non-reactive kind of material. Even in the bead store, you can rescue yourself by putting your hand into like a bucket of beads and just feeling the fact <laughs> that there's a bunch of these different little things. But if you touch the fabric, it doesn't do anything. Right. The the real problem with these bead stores and these fabric stores is you never go into. I I know exactly what I want. I'm just going to get this one thing and go out. No, you have to right. just you have to look around. You have to get mm-hmm. you have to get your uh uh the those papery fabricy designs. I thought there's yeah a name I, for I guess. Them. But yeah, they're about they're about sitting and kind of marinating in the experience. Yeah, Ugh. and if you're not a, if you're not inclined to marinate in beads or fabric, then you're not really doing anything. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, at least bookstores have information. You can flip through something, but mm-hmm. otherwise, you're just staring at fabric at a fabric store. I'll loiter. I'm one of the. I'm like one of the worst bookstore loiterers. <laughs> My whole family is and they gave me that habit <laughs> but i've i've sat in bookstores for like for over five hours holy crap not buying anything mm-hmm. at the end which is the worst part because i know that the people at the starbucks kiosk and the barnes and noble or whatever are waiting for me to buy something i like i'll get like a cup of coffee uh-huh. and as though that that's kind of my that's my rent that I'm paying. Right. So you do buy something. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I didn't, I don't always. I didn't always. When I was student teaching uh, in uh, in Asheville uh, and I was living on my own, totally on my own for the first time, I, um, I would frequently not make it all the way home after teaching because that's exhausting. Yeah. And I would go to the uh, Barnes and Noble and I would sit in the in one of the chairs, and I'd try to read a book, and I'd fall asleep. Really? And I yeah, I'd fall asleep in like my teaching clothes because I would go there on the way home, and sleep sometimes for three or four hours. Wow! And only be rousted because they were closing, and it was eleven at night. That is amazing. <laughs> I did not. I did not have good. Uh, I I had not perfected my coping skills with regard to uh, teaching at that point. <laughs> so the, so you were just drained at the end of the, your <laughs> student teaching. Yeah, I would I was I was exhausted because I was a uh, I was it was my first time totally on my own mm-hmm. in the city. Yeah. I I had made plans to uh, get a room with a friend when I was up there but they wound up needing to stay on campus so I craigslisted some uh some girl with a dog who had an extra room. <laughs> that sounds so creepy. It was it was weird. It was creepy, but it was like it sounds like it would be creepy on my end towards them, but it became creepy on like their part towards me. <laughs> oh boy! Because I, because the dog was weird, and like the the girl would disappear for like days or uh, like or weeks at a time. And just leave and you with the, the dog? dog? Would just, and the dog would just poop inside ferociously. <laughs> like, yeah, let those things out. Yeah, well, I would when I was 
home. Right. But, but you were student she teaching. She would like leave it locked in and I'd be sleeping or I'd be out. I couldn't take care of that dog. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was out many weekends myself getting back up to my college town so I could kind of recharge. Mm hmm. So you, <laughs> that, that is ir- irresponsible dog owner. Yeah. But so you were so you were living with this person that you didn't really uh, connect with. You know, you were just kind no. Of we had like one conversation, mm-hmm. like the whole time. Wow. She didn't seem bad either. It didn't seem like we wouldn't have connected. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was, I was, I was busy all the time, and I was, I, th- I was uh, just, I don't know, at a low ebb. Mm-hmm. of uh, wanting to meet new people because I was just, uh, I was kind of overwhelmed by the whole experience. And she was out most of the time. Okay. We talked about hanging out once or twice and everything got in the way of it. And then at that point, there had been such a uh, sort of benign distance mm-hmm. that it didn't seem to matter. So just enough time had passed that it was like, it's well, it's never going to happen. Yeah. Yep. That's pretty much how it was. I like that it was kind of a mutual realization of, you know, we'll just be, we'll be in the same universe, uh, but we'll be it's, on yeah. different orbits. It's that, that magical moment when you realize you're not friends. <laughs> yeah, instead of, <laughs> inst- yeah, instead of trying to relate to or, or get to know everybody, it's just, you know, that's that. That's, it, 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 that's, that's how it's going to be. And that's that's fine, you know. And so, there's in the, enough friends in the world. In that case, you were kind of on your own, even though you had a roommate. And so yep. you didn't really you you were just kind of living in a, uh, just in the student teaching world, and that was kind of that was kind of your life at the moment. Yeah, that was that was how it was for. For like a, a semester, so mm-hmm. five months-ish. Okay. It was like all of the uh, things that you shouldn't do in college that I had avoided doing until then, mm-hmm. I just kind of wound up falling into. Like I, I ate terribly. <laughs> like uh, went like, and I didn't have enough money to eat terribly in style. Like I was eating Wendy's dollar menu mm-hmm. as most of my meals. That's gonna catch, yeah. That catches up to you pretty quick. Oh, that was so fast, so fast. I wasn't happy with that, but I couldn't. Uh, at least I felt like I couldn't do anything else. It was weird. There's a, there's a, there's a kind of frame of mind you get into uh, when you kind of decide that if you're going to, if you're going to kind of flail terribly, you're going to flail terribly along these exact lines, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter if it, if as long as you can keep to the rhythm you have established, then things aren't going to get worse, right? <laughs> so I ate Wendy's and I fell asleep in and around uh, Barnes and Noble's right. and it didn't get worse. Right, right. So your plane was kind of in a nosedive, but you were able to level it off, but not climb. Right. I was, I was stuck at this at this very low, but still, still functioning altitude. Uh-huh. Oh, that sounds I So it's five months. Did it did it seem like a really long time or did it kind of fly by or is it just like looking in the past now? It's like a 
I don't know. I have moments like that. It's like that time in my life was like lifetimes away. That just seems like a different person in a different place entirely. Oh yeah. I'd say it felt like the worst thing as it was happening. Mm -hmm. And now that I look back and it's hard for me to relate to that person. Yeah. Who was going through it. Uh, and like, I was in a relationship at the time and uh, that, that has ended since. And there were all these different factors around who I thought I was going to be yeah. and what I was doing. So, it was, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it's, a uh, it's weird. It's, uh, there's, there are decisions that you make. That you're just not sure why you made them. That's very vague. That's a vague no, description. Of no, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, so it's, it's, yeah, I have those all the time. I mean, not mm-hmm. not not necessarily about huge life decisions, but why did my brain make that decision? And then, mm-hmm. so at this point, I try to make as few few decisions as possible, even when it comes <laughs> to like, well, what do we watch? I don't, I, I, you know, I don't want to mess this decision up, so I'll leave that to somebody <laughs> else. You're one of, one of those people who likes to to. You're a deferring kind of person. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I uh. I I was a deferring person through high school. Mm-hmm. I think I was one of those people who just kind of wanted to let the group decide because I was just because I was just happy to, I was happy to be in a in a social group at that point because mm-hmm. my middle school was terrible and I went to high school and I thought I can have friends now and I did. Uh, but I decided. But you know, it's one of those. Uh, I was a theater kid, so I just Me did what too. the theater kids were going to do. Uh huh. I think we get a lot of theater kids on this podcast because the people who started out or who want to be on a podcast all of a sudden right. send it out to all their <laughs> theater good. friends. It was like, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, I met. I I think the person who introduced me to this was someone I met at a, a at an improv. That uh, sounds class. about right. Yeah, <laughs> it's that kind of uh, that kind of personality. I think you get a lot of defers in those kinds of things as well. Yeah. Which is weird because on stage, you know, when you're doing improv, it's it's not a deferring situation at all. Yeah, it's actually it's <laughs> improv is sort of like a strength of will chaining for people who have like it's like the featherweight league. Because mm-hmm. no one really wants to jut out, uh, and that's that's the point is learning how to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If we talk too much about improv, this will become every other podcast. <laughs> that's true. That's, that's a good point. It seems like that's imp- on the, uh, improv comes up at least once during the podcast, but it doesn't take over the majority of it. Oh, on this one? Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. I uh, I I went through a long process deciding whether or not I should or shouldn't uh-huh. listen to any other episodes before I was on it. Uh-huh. No, and I decided not to. Yeah, it's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> I mean, I I so, like I like to go in knowing nothing about who I'm going to talk to, but it's it's always weird if someone comes in knowing things about me. Then it's kind uh, of uh, I know, uh, I don't know. Yeah, you're a complete blank slate. Good, perfect. This <laughs> is this is the way it should be. This is uh, your name right. is Eric, and you're currently in Minnesota. That's right. You know that about me, and that mm-hmm. I defer. Mm-hmm. My Which team. is, a, I guess, a good skill for someone who's hosting a podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's, uh, uh, 
We'll talk. Hey, cat. Hey, cat. Knock it off. <laughs> Hold on one second. I have this tiny room that I do my podcasting in because I can put acoustic tiles around it and it's a nice square area. But there's this piece of crap door that is a sliding door, so it slides in and out. But it slides into the wall. And we've been in this house for about eight years. It came off the hinges about seven years ago. And there's no... Without opening up the wall, there's no way to get it back on to the hinges. So you've just kind of deferred to the door. Yeah. Now it's now it's just this like lopsided. I mean, it stays up and down, but you drag it across the ground to to shut it, which uh, does not keep paws out of it or uh, keeps sound out. Or mm. cats. Yeah, cats. Cats. <laughs> That's uh the first uh, so the door the door slide it goes up and down. No, it goes. And then it also slides. It uh it it slides into the wall. So it's 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 uh I'm describing this poorly. It's kind of like a like a sliding glass door. Yeah, except it it except it doesn't slide over another door. It just slides into the wall and disappears. Okay. Okay. I've seen that kind of term before. Yeah. Yeah. I have actually never. I my first time experiencing a door like that that did wasn't somehow stuck mm-hmm. in some way was this last week. <laughs> really? Yeah. I was amazed. I op- I slid it open. It was a uh, it was a friend of the family's house. I slid it open and it opened all the way, and there was no pressure on it. Weird. Yeah, I've... right. And every every single other one, it's been like they've been like either too heavy or they slide off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do not come into my house. You will not have a good experience with this downstairs door. <laughs> I'd fix it, but it's on the. I mean, yeah, I've tried to fix it. I, you know, if I really went in to fix it, it'd be a whole project. And I'm not. That is low on the the chain of necessities. Let go, because you need done with it. Yeah. <laughs> You're okay with that affecting you. Yeah, it's you know it it works. I'm in here, and I will be able to get out of here. Mm-hmm. And you know that it's not going to get worse. That's true. I'm flying at that low level. That low level <laughs> of door ownership. <laughs> It's 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 being maintained. Yeah. There's oh okay, so these stupid doors. They don't even mm-hmm. this they usually have like a little golden divot, metal divot that you use to open and shut it. Just mm-hmm. uh this doesn't even have that. It's just all wood. There's no there's nothing to you have to stick your fingers in the crack to pry it open. Okay. It's it's the worst, and there's not or and there's not even a little hook thing on the end like other. It's just, uh, why did you I? You just you just gotta really wedge your fingers in there and hope. Yeah, <laughs> I can't eat at Wendy's dollar menu every day and hope to my fingers will get too fat to open the door. <laughs> I'll just get stuck That's in here. Uh, 
I think uh, <laughs> I think that uh, over time, um, most of the decisions that I've uh, that I've made have been uh, basically based off of uh, other decisions that I've decided to let go. Right? Because okay. everything everything is over time an accumulation of very small mistakes. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh huh. That sounds very pessimistic, put it that way, but it's. Um, but how how do I even describe that thought? Well, it's That's ca- such it's, a weird. It's kind of like entropy, where eventually everything is going to break down. There's no, there's no matter left. It's all just a massive chaos of heat. Right. Things are just things just drift apart <laughs> uh, slowly but surely. It's like aging. It's like the door is aging. It's it would be a weird sort of invasive surgery to get the door working again. Right. And even then, that door has a set lifespan. Yeah. You know. You... What, the, what about that door's quality of life? Is What if it doesn't make it out of the surgery? Well, you know, if I go into surgery, um, I'm, I'm, it's, that's, that's it for this door. I'm definitely getting a new door. I'm not going to fix this crappy door. It <laughs> so knows. You euthanize it. Yeah. I'm put, I'm, yeah, it's, I'm putting it in a comfortable place <laughs> until, um, until we can properly deal with it. Mm-hmm. What were you student teaching? I was uh, student teaching theater. Okay. I was I was uh, teaching high schoolers. Uh, theater history primarily was the thing that I was doing. Uh, so uh, when I was working with my collaborating teacher and a lot of acting techniques with them, whatever things that things that a high schooler can do, high schoolers can't do a whole lot of things. Yeah. At least the majority. You have like the extra talented people, kids who materialize in L.A., and I don't know how they do anything. I don't understand anything about how film works, because that's so bizarre to me that... That someone at such a young age... Yeah, they just, like, they materialize, and they started acting. Right, without without training. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, they just get it, intuitively. And it's the weird thing about teaching kids acting is that by the time that you've gotten a real handle on it, mm-hmm. you realize how simple the concepts are and how difficult they are to get across to anyone else. So you have to te- say a lot of things around one very small and simple thing. Okay. Because uh, you're not, you can't, you can't really say to someone, uh, just be sad. Learn about the character and have the emotion that they're going to have by putting yourself in that situation because that's so vague as to not mean anything. Right. But it actually all is that if you can get yourself to believe that that's what it is and do the work necessary to find that. Mm-hmm. Right? That's just one school, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so kids in acting class, they just, they're really excited about talking loud. <laughs> that's, I like that description. Yeah, that's that's what I was. That's how most of them are. Right? I, I like and to that's good. I like to imagine they're not in, excited about talking loud in front of a crowd. They just want to. They're really excited about getting that voice up there. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty much that's that's the majority of the work mm-hmm. uh, with high schoolers is getting them to speak up. And if you can get them to speak up and be heard, that's ah, that's so good. 
their parents will love that. Parents will come <laughs> up to you and say, she's so much lighter than she used to be. And they're like, yeah, and like, yeah I nailed it. Yeah. I yeah. found the volume knob on these kids. Theater totally did that for me. I was super quiet. And then it, mm -hmm. and then it, and then I just opened up like a flower. <laughs> but yeah, at, you know, after, after you learn these things, it is, it is, you know, do this, emo this person is this, it's in this situation and is sad. And then, yeah, yeah, you got and it. those substitutes and things. And yeah, you're like, okay. But it's so hard. You can... It's, yeah, it's super hard to get to that point. Because we don't teach people. I mean, theaters are the only thing. Like everything else in school, except I guess PE, and even then PE can sometimes, uh, was working at like your intellectual processing ability and your ability to recall and memorize and uh, and get back facts and occasionally get to a higher order thinking mm -hmm. process. But like theater is all about analogies and what ifs and uh, intuitive uh, guesswork and trying to think about how someone else might feel and that's just, that's not on the curriculum anywhere else yeah it's so like those those muscles are so weak yeah exactly it's like training a muscle it's 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 yeah it's like a sport it's mm -hmm. it's getting you it's repeating and doing this and practicing and yeah right so anyone basically can be good at sports if they're willing to practice it Mm -hmm. Right, and that's kind of the deal. Anyone basically can be good at, at at that kind of emotive work if they're willing to practice it. And some people come in with a little bit more raw ability than others and drive. Yeah. Um. But we, uh, we we're trained. We're, our educational institutions are trained to look for intelligence, and they put it up there, and and they give kids those points for it, right? And they let them go to college and whatever, but the kids who have these emotional understandings and even the sports kids who aren't into a big sport, mm -hmm. like if you're into kendo or fencing or something, right. you don't get near the recognition that the kids who are good at math or who are good at football are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Got real ranty. No, that's all right. That's all right. That's, <laughs> that's uh... fine. You activated the... the angry uh teacher side <laughs> <laughs> it's it's all ab i mean and it's that's art as well that's what society values and what they put their values on so we want to see people uh uh knock each other down more right. than we want to see uh someone's emotions put out on a canvas or on stage right yeah yeah, I was thinking. I was thinking today actually, what it would be like to be in a society whose values exactly reflected my own. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I would like that. Yeah, I know. I always think about if I'd want to hang out with myself, and I don't think I would. So I think that kind of applies <laughs> to you. Would want to hang out with yourself? I don't think so. I think I'd annoy Why myself. Not? I don't. I. 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 I don't know. I think I would I maybe the problem is I would if I hung out with myself I would judge myself even more harshly I could get oh, a, a further distance that's a terrible way to look at things I know but would you know it's yourself or would you That's a good question. Think, or would you just run into someone who happened to be so much like you 
but you didn't know they were yourself. Because it might not be so bad if you were judging someone who was just like you. Right, that's true. But, what, but you didn't know it was you. We, you know, we'd, we'd have the same sense of humor, so that would probably work out pretty well. It's kind of a narrow, yeah. narrow band of, mm-hmm. uh, of humor there. Hmm. I would love to hang out with myself. I don't know <laughs> if that makes me vain. I think, uh, I mean, there are so many, so there are so many, like, little niches and hobbies you have in common with some of your friends and then other friends you can't talk about them with, right? Yeah. You know, because, like, you got your you got your video game friends and, like, your whatever programming friends. I don't know. Uh, but, like, if you were to hang out with yourself, you could relate all of those fields to each other through all of your conversations. Yeah. You'd be able to... You'd be able to talk about how one thing you like relates to a whole completely different thing you like in another sphere and not worry about leaving someone else behind. I think... You could get a lot done intellectually, okay, yeah. Inte- intellectually, if you were just bouncing ideas off of another you. Because well, I wouldn't. You wouldn't. You just I wouldn't. quote Simpsons I would, the whole time. I would come in with that idea, mm-hmm. but it would become a lot of like fart jokes. I think. <laughs> I think I would. I I I I get a lot of ideas, but there usually something needs to spark them. So I think if there was this kind of weird abstract conversation like that, just kind of this weird back and forth, then maybe the, those ideas would spark a little more naturally. But mm-hmm. we're we're getting into this whole weird area of hypotheticals. Yeah, whether or not you hanging out with the other version of you would would get anything really important done. Yeah, it could <laughs> solve a lot of problems. Have you ever seen anyone that looks? looks like you oh man i saw i saw ah this sounds horrible i saw like a version of me that this actually relates to the previous story i saw the fat version of myself okay in a bar once as i was leaving student teaching and i stopped eating at wendy's okay um and i wasn't like i'm not like i'm not like I'm not even as thin as I'd like to be. I have a younger brother who's like always a little bit ahead of me mm-hmm. in the fitness scale. Okay. So I'm always a little bit down on myself, but that guy was like, whoa, that guy had not maintained his plane and he was, he was spiraling pretty bad, but he looked just like me other than that. Wow. And I was, uh, that was, that was so terrifying to me at that moment. <laughs> And you were in that whole level situation that could have caused you to spiral. Yeah. Because that yeah, that, so that, I, that weirds you out when you see when you see someone who looks like you. That is that is a weird situation that kind of ruins your day. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's the worst. It's uh, it's uh, and then like if I if I consciously notice that uh, that I saw someone who looks just like me then there's like this game I play where I try to figure out from my first impression whether or not I thought I looked good or not. <laughs> because the idea is right, that would be your purest moment of knowing how you looked. Right, yeah, like when you're trying, like when you think you're drinking orange juice, but then you drink milk instead. And you're like, what right. the hell is this horrible crap? Yeah. It's like, oh, it's milk. What I... is... Oh, do I not like milk? Yeah, apparently. 
or you know, as you're just expecting a different thing, <laughs> expecting literally anything other than yourself. So is it uh, uh, when I I saw a version of myself in a grocery store, uh, the grocery okay. store I frequent, um, and I've never seen them ever again, even after years and years and years, and they were they had like. They didn't have long flowing hair. They had like shoulder length hair and overalls mm-hmm. on. But okay, do it, you have those things? Um, at one point I did. Both of those. Yeah. Like you rocked them at the same time. Um, we, not at not at that time. Not at the, I had shorter okay. hair at that point. But this looked okay, like so a you... a version of myself I had known. Okay. And I was, you know, I was staring at this person because that's what you do when you see yourself. And right. they looked very nervous. Because I because <laughs> I don't I I think they were wondering more why is this person staring at me instead of like why am I staring at me? And then they quickly right. got out of there after they paid for the groceries. That is oh man, how strange. Mm-hmm. How strange it must have been for them, specifically. I mean, for you, do you, do you think they got the resemblance? You, you said like you were relating to a past version of yourself, right? Yeah, I, I, I thought they, I thought we looked alike, and I'm not sure if they felt the same way. <laughs> because, or maybe they did, and they didn't want to blow it. Right. Maybe it was. <laughs> they me. Wanted... It was an alternate timeline version. Yeah, it's an alternate timeline version of you that went into the future and went up in your stream. They were playing it cool. They were, well, they didn't seem cool, but they seemed like this person needs to (laughs) stop looking at me and I'm going to not dilly-dally as I leave the grocery store. I want to clarify that the version of myself I saw did not look cool. Okay, <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Were they alone drinking at the bar with a little extra heft on them? <laughs> did they look like they could order a whiskey and be really confident about it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, no. No. Not too much. I, not too much. Yeah. This cat is not leaving this stupid door alone. I know! It's broken! It's a broken door! <laughs> Hold on a second. That actually reminds me of a story that actually happened earlier this week, which is that my uh, younger brother uh, turned 21. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we took him to a, to a restaurant bar type, like a thing that was ostensibly designed to be both um, and at the end of the night, the waitress came out and gave him, uh, tips on what to order in bars, uh, and to not look like this was the first time drinking, uh-huh. uh, and named basically everything he had ordered as a thing not to order again. Not to order again? <laughs> not to order again. <laughs> like, a, he got like a Long Island iced tea and like a yep. mojito. Yep. Uh, well, like a, mojitos are all right. I like mojitos, and I like any lime-based drink because the lime, I believe, helps with hangovers. And if it doesn't, it helps with mine. <laughs> um, and he ordered like a zombies in Paris thing, like a thing that had been like a, like a made-up cocktail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So what, does he just drink Manhattans now? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, he actually likes gin and tonics, so I think that's his new signature drink. I don't like gin and tonics. I hate tequila. Gin, I just don't. I don't. I don't. I don't like. I don't know. I like pine nuts, but that's just this. It's like drinking a pine tree to me. Maybe I just have had bad stuff, but still. Maybe. I don't like most gin. I only like Hendrix, really. Hmm. Um, you don't like tequila? Mm, again, you know, this... I go into these, uh, uh, just these past remembrances of horrible things. So maybe tequila is right. great now. I mean, I like yogurt I think now, a lot of, so... Yeah, well, fair. Yeah. Yogurt... I kind of like tequila. It's like the opposite of tequila. <laughs> Yoga Actually, is the opposite of tequila. I, yeah, I'd say so. Uh, in terms of everything, healthiness, consistency. Mm-hmm. I like yeah, tequila. Yeah. I don't know if that's a growing up in the radar thing. Maybe. But I mm-hmm. think it's the I, it's uh, my favorite hands down liquor. Interesting. I think, uh, and they, mostly because I like margaritas, because they're kind of sweet, but also salty and sour. So the waitress didn't, have a lot of them. waitress didn't put the nicks on that, huh? <laughs> I didn't ask. <laughs> I didn't want to know what she'd right. say. Didn't want to know her opinions. <laughs> That's like going nope. into a record store and buying these things you like, and then someone says, okay, next time you go to a record store, don't buy any of these artists. Yeah, don't buy the killers next time you're at the record store. Come yeah. on. What are you doing? Order that shit online. <laughs> so that no one knows. Yeah, it, it'll be your secret. I used to hide your the strokes shame. I I was I when I bought an album I thought might be like uh uh tisk tisked. I mean not verbally but with the the record store <laughs> employees eyes. I always mm-hmm. tried to get something of merit to even things <laughs> out. <laughs> So you got like uh you got like the Lady Gaga album but then you also bought uh uh like Best of Led Zeppelin. Well, I think maybe I bought the B fifty twos, which number one, their first album is fantastic and then it gets worse and worse over time. Mm-hmm. Um but I think it was like B fifty twos and also uh Combat Rock by the Clash. <laughs> so I think those two those two sounds even each other out. <laughs> they they've uh, they at least neutralized the other's poison. Yeah, so it's like I it's like nothing happened. I left the universe the way I found it. Right, <laughs> you you approached zero mm-hmm. on your effect. Yeah, I I um, didn't dive or, and I didn't rise. I just kept. Uh... I I don't know what I would do if I had in my music learning years had to deal with the idea that I'd have to buy something from someone who would know a lot more like about music than me because I grew up with pirating music. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's just the way things were found. And so most of my music came from just arbitrarily selecting different groups on the Pirate Bay and how I found things I liked. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> Which is That sounds like a pretty good way. Yeah. It worked out in the, I wound up, and like, it was, it was word of mouth too, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, word of mouth got me to the starting things, and then I had to know more than my friends. Okay. You had to, you so, had to 
catapult past them to be the knowledgeable one. Right. That's, yeah, that was very important to me, that I know at least enough about music Mm -hmm. that no one would check to see if I really knew a lot about music, (laughs) because I don't. You put on an air of knowledge. Just uh, just enough to dissuade questions. Like, to be, like, um, uh, at the age I was in high school, like, I could mention... Like, I can't even say the name of this band, and I think it's more, uh, it was more popular before I knew about them, but, like, uh, COC and the Banshees, like, I genuinely do not know how that name's pronounced. Okay. Um, but, uh, they did The Passenger. Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay, and that was a song that I could mention to my friends just having heard recently in high school, but none of them knew about. And so I was like, I was, oh, he was listening to uh, more adult or, or independent music than us. We can back off. <laughs> it sounds like they're going to beat you up if you didn't own up to oh. your music knowledge. <laughs> it, would, it would be worse than that. Mm-hmm. You know, I just wouldn't know more than them about a thing. Okay. So is that important to you? It was that important in high school uh-huh. that I know about like art related things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because <laughs> I was like, I was like the dramaturgical one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I uh, my musical taste was very soundtrack based until <laughs> high school, and so until I uh, until a friend of mine gave me a mixtape. I was like, oh, music sounds good. So then, then I started discovering. <laughs> Hold on a second. You sound like a robot. Can you hear me still? I can hear you, yeah. <laughs> you sound like a Cylon right now. Am I still robotic? Yep. Hello. Yay. Okay. I'm now Seth the Human. You are back to, uh, yeah, you have not been assimilated. Or, uh, or I wasn't thinking Cylon, I was thinking, uh, damn it. Oh, the Doctor Who thing with the plungers. Oh, the, the Daleks? The, the Daleks. Yeah. That's what you sounded like. Man. Eh. But now you're fixed. <laughs> That's a... Hooray. Thank God. Uh, what were we talking about? The Ghostbusters 2 soundtrack? <laughs> yes, I think we were. Ah, uh, yeah. Now, music, music, I didn't know music for most of the, you know, up until high school. And now it's mm-hmm. become just, it. you know, music's, I always, people always ask the question, would you rather be blind or deaf? And every, right. I, everyone says, well, I'll be deaf so I can see things and get around easily. And I go, no, 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 I'd rather be blind because I like music so much. Oh, wow, so and, you're really into music. Yeah, and and I, I maybe... I, I, I know what I like, and I really like it. Maybe I can't expound upon music or, or, <laughs> or write about what I'm hearing, but I, I just get so much joy from music that it would be horrible to be without it. I think that's probably a more authentic appreciation of what music is. 
yeah. than getting really intensely academic about it. True. Yeah. I think I get a, yeah, there's, um, in the, uh, in, in Susan Sontag's, uh, essay, she writes about needing, there needing to be not a, um, uh, but there needing to be an, instead of a, uh, in terms of a new criticism of art, a new erotics of art. Okay. Where people get into just how art makes them feel and really let that feeling be what tells them about what they're experiencing. Because mm-hmm. I, um, I do this, I, I, I like overanalyze what I'm, what I'm listening to, what I'm enjoying to the point that I stop enjoying it. Yeah. I, uh... Yeah, if if you get too much into a thing, like we went, my wife and I went to a a kind of a pop up restaurant, and by some very good chefs, 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 and man, I have no idea how to pronounce that. <laughs> by some really good chefs, and it was. It was really good food, but there was a couple, and it was all at one long table, so everyone sat together. There was a couple right. just across the way and over a couple from us, and they were just analyzing every little thing about the, about the, about the food. And it was making, it was, number one, it was making me feel like a dummy, because I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, this tastes good in my mouth. I like this a lot. But, you know, that, it, it seems like, I mean, there's some, you can enjoy things and analyze things and know what, <laughs> like what ingredients are in this, but to, to pick apart everything, I guess, is, right. is, just ruins the thing almost. It does. And it's so, it's so self-defeating, mm-hmm. especially when it gets to the point that you that people with their intense analysis and criticism of a specific thing get to the point that they, that they unknowingly are not, but it sounds like knowingly a little bit. Cause that, that couple was like in this restaurant around other people where they were the near shot of people. Mm-hmm. They're yep. probably knowingly trying to be the smartest people about eating. Yeah. You know, I think that might be, that might be the case. That's the feeling I got from them. And it's like this, how are you going to be better at eating than someone else? <laughs> Why not? It's Listen, all one thing. We can't all eat off the dollar menu. <laughs> I think they were better at eating than you were at that point in your life. <laughs> they probably were. The version of being the path of the dollar menu. Whew. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, it's, I, it's a just such a simple pleasure and enjoyment is is that eating thing and just just taking it to pieces. Just. <laughs> It's, it, it totally doesn't need to be deconstructed mm-hmm. because it's perfect as is. And then we get this idea that we can violently dissect the process as it happens in order to, uh, in order to find some element of truth or whatever, or most likely just for status. And you do damage to the thing that you're enjoying. Mm-hmm. Now, I can see the point if that is your profession. If you are a chef. Yeah. You know, obviously, you're going to, you're, you know, you're a lot more sensitive to tastes. You know what the tastes are. You, you kind of take it apart in your head and go, "I like this part. This works really well together." 
Um, right. And the same thing if you're a musician, you're going to list a music in a different way. Or, you know, if you're in theater, you're going to watch a performance differently, a little more technically than uh, than just a, a, a theater goer. But, mm-hmm. the person, but the person whose profession it isn't who goes there and picks things apart, that that is a different kind of asshole. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's unnecessary, and they're probably not analyzing at a very high level. Mm-hmm. And I can still I can see the idea that some people really like to understand how and why things work. Yeah, absolutely. But and there's nothing wrong with that. But um, treating, I think, okay, I think the thing is, is that some people treat enjoying a thing to understand how or why that thing works is better than enjoying the thing for what it is. Right, yeah, it becomes its own separate, like, twice removed. You're enjoying something Mm -hmm. else entirely. You're in a different, you're, you're, yeah, you're in a different area than everyone else here who's eating good things. And that's frustrating. Uh, That's frustrating for me, I think, because, uh, one, it happens all the time, especially among, like, uh, like, artsy, talky, people who are, like, seeing movies or shows or whatever, right? Everyone wants to kind of have the most insightful thing to say, right? And there's also the thing that I know that I do that all the time. (laughs) (laughs) The worst about wanting to have an insightful thing to say about a thing that's going on or being watched. Now, it's yeah, it's different in a conversation. Well, it's different if, if it's in a conversation. If someone is asking you about it or maybe asking your opinion and you happen to have some knowledge on that thing, but if you are in the moment, kind of, I mean, it's the same thing with people taking pictures with their phones everywhere, where they're yeah. not, where they're not in the moment. They're taking a picture to remember the thing that they're not currently enjoying because they're taking a picture of it. Right. I uh, that frustrates me so much. Mm-hmm. I uh, I hate I hate it when uh, people become sort of habitual picture takers. I'll take I'll take pictures like once or twice during a thing if I want to like remember what a specific thing actually looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, you if you're hiking and you come across a weird plant or a good view, <laughs> uh-huh. right? Yeah, yeah. But but just keeping like a running catalog of your life is really obnoxious. Yeah, just on yeah on a daily basis. I mean, it's fun to mm-hmm. it. Listen, I'm a fan of snapping wacky pictures, right? Like everybody right. else. So let's do that. But then you're, but you're to... doing art. That's true. I wouldn't call what I'm doing art, but okay. no, it, it is artish. Yeah, it is. It's arty. It's come from a. It comes from a place of wanting to make or create something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I listen. I don't go to clubs, but I imagine people at clubs are just taking selfies all the time. <laughs> So <laughs> that's your image of the club going person is like a selfie, right? Get it, and uh, and and like a like a too expensive drink. Yep, bottle service, selfies, and grinding is is yep. the club experience. There is. I went to a friend's birthday party at a club a couple of years ago, but it was a retro video game club, so they had all these retro video games around the walls, but it was still a fucking horrible club. That's um, so bizarre. What a weird... What a weird... What a different 
segment of the population that would bring in. Yeah, absolutely. Like two different groups colliding. It was it was bizarre. I it was I thought, oh, this might be fun. Nope, it's a club. You get in there with a cover, and then you have a a, a DJ from one of the radio stations just checking his phone in between, like yelling stuff during mm-hmm. like when the when the he the he's being the MC. So he's just yelling things every so often with whatever the DJ is playing, and then goes back to checking his BlackBerry, looking really bored. And then there's Donkey Kong over there. That's so weird. Mm-hmm. That's so. That's what a weird juxtaposition. Also, uh, when you phrase it that way, being an MC sounds like a really easy job. Yeah. Uh, well, but maybe he is up late and sleeps at a Barnes and Noble before he gets home. You know, it it sounds <laughs> like it makes a day really long, and he he didn't look like he wanted to be there. Mm-hmm. And when you're working with a song, you have every little block of time measured in discrete units for you. Yeah. Right. That must suck because then, like, I mean, I'm sure you've had this thing where you know that like time moves much faster when it's not being measured, and there's no way for him to get away from it being measured. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's all. You know, this this goes for about five minutes, so I'm, what, I'm uh, 10, uh, 15 songs away from leaving here. You can just yeah, kind of yeah. count it down. And you've got to say something between each song, so that does, like, perfectly mark out your schedule. Yep, marks it down. Oh, they also had couch areas you could reserve with, like, a PlayStation. So you could be playing a PlayStation on a reserved couch in a club in the middle of a club like a PlayStation 1 um it was probably a 3 i would imagine oh. but why why are you doing that that belongs you don't, in a basement you don't need to um rent okay you who decided that uh they wanted to play video games but <laughs> they wanted to do it while a bunch of people noisily danced around them and a guy shouted over a song. Yeah. that's That doesn't sound like a good experience for anybody. <laughs> There's someone out there who really loves a party atmosphere mm-hmm. and Call of Duty. I want to I wanna be playing Splinter Cell, but I also want uh, to not hear what I'm playing and also mm-hmm. lights flashing in my eyes so it's difficult to see. <laughs> Oh, so it was really like the lights were going. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was a fucking club. It was horrible. <laughs> it was a club. Did you see anyone who was at one of those, uh, one of those booths, one of those reserved areas while you were there? Yes. Oh, absolutely. They were all booked. What did they look like? They were, they looked dressed for the club. They looked like clubbers. So they didn't look okay. like, they didn't look like guys who came out of their basement to play video were, games in the middle of a club. Okay. Were any of them, like, cranking out combos in God of War? Oh. Were any of them, like, just shredding it? I, I don't think so. Oh, that was... Man, I was... For a moment, I thought we could have found, like, this kind of globally competent person. <laughs> <laughs> nope. I think it was just a thing to do with their thumbs until they got home. Mm-hmm. That's so lame. If you're going to go to, I mean, at least, okay, if you're going to go to a club, you might as well go all the way to a club. Yeah. You know? 
I mean, playing video games not in home, sure, that sounds okay, but yeah, it's just, it's it's the two things. It's the eating and then the analyzation of the eating that becomes this <laughs> different thing. So this has become this horrible different thing that doesn't make any sense. Right. There's this... Uh... I'm kind of. I'm actually blown away by this club you've described. <laughs> I'm going to be thinking about this for a while. Yeah. Just about what what the point was. Yeah. Is irony. Um. I don't know. Maybe it was an experiment in just uncomfortable situations. Maybe it was maybe it was an art project. <laughs> Uh, an art project, mm-hmm. an experience in, yeah, in uncomfortable situations. That sounds about right. You couldn't have had a more uncomfortable situation if you had had a club that also hosted a Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> get together, uh-huh. right? You just have a bunch of different tables and gaming groups who are scheduled at times adjacent to the dance floor, uh-huh. or a, uh, uh, or yeah, a tabletop gamer. So you have your big mech <laughs> uh, machines. Um, yeah, slow you've got your 40k army. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> and they're just like really delicately measuring distance <laughs> and trying to roll for ranged attacks next to these people grinding. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, oh, man. man. If, if someone bumps the table, everything is fucked. That's kind of like a weirdly... That's kind of like a hyper-realistic portrait of uh, probably uh, what high school was like for me. Oh, yeah? <laughs> just, uh, people very carefully measuring out miniature distances next to people grinding. <laughs> right? If you could take all of the high school picture in one moment. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that sounds... Uh, Warhammer sounds so involved. So incredibly involved. I like my detailed uh, board games. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm, I'm not... I, I'm definitely a nerd. But man, Warhammer. Seems... I'm not going to challenge you on the credentials. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I never got into Warhammer because that stuff looked incredibly hard. Yeah, I don't. I mean, you got to paint those little figures. I don't like doing math. All right, so ah. let's uh, take take that out of take that out of games. Yeah, math sucks. I hate math, and I hate uh, I hate very detail oriented painting. Well, what? You don't like pointillism? Uh, oh, what? What? What's that? Uh, George Surratt? Man, I don't know any of that. Oh, I was in... Let me tell you about this play I was in in college. <laughs> it was called Sunday in the Park with George. And it was a musical oh. about the life of George Surratt. Um, mm-hmm. But they... Decide, the background of this, the the backdrop of this the scene is just uh, Sunday in the Park, which is his his uh, which is one of his paintings where he doesn't have strokes; he just has dots of color that make up uh, painting a full painting. So, oh man, it was this director's idea to go. Well, let's see if this stands without any reference to George Surratt or the painting. It's just a guy named George who's a painter. Also, we'll hire some opera singers instead of actors to do the main parts. So they're good at emoting. Um, and they've been trained in 
in acting. No, they haven't. <laughs> so let's take all these horrible elements and throw them together. Um, and that is that was maybe the worst thing I've ever been in. That sounds so rough. Oh man. Directors with big concepts are usually just terrifying. See, I think I don't even think it was a big concept. I think it was a lazy concept. I think yeah. let's not get someone to paint this in the background. I want to do this play, but I don't want to I I think it'd be too hard to make reproduce the painting. So let's mm-hmm. just laze it out. Like they hadn't really done their research and they were going to say, I'm going to give something really avant-garde mm-hmm. to disguise the fact that they hadn't really uh, investigated the uh, the text. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I directed a um, a high school show, a, a high school version of the Philadelphia story. And okay. I just had everyone mime their props because I didn't want to fucking deal with props and getting them built or finding them or anything. So it was a very minimal, minimalistic scenery. We just had a couple of benches to represent things, and those got moved around, and everyone pretended they were holding cups. So <laughs> that was... Oh, uh, but that's great. That was out of uh, laziness, but also, like, this is going to be the simplest for everybody. Yeah, and that's strong. And when we were in high school, you need that. Mm-hmm. One of the best uh, high school-level plays I ever saw was that... Um, was a version of Alice in Wonderland okay. where uh, there were uh, no props. Uh, there were basically no props, except that every member of the ensemble mm-hmm. was carrying a, like, maybe two-foot square of plastic that was tan on one side and black on the other. Okay. And they made every piece of furniture and set element out of out of, the, out of any ensemble member who wasn't currently a character in the play, mm-hmm. uh, using those to designate a thing. So when Alice was falling down uh, through the tunnel, the actors uh, got together and made sort of opposite going wave motions yeah. with the uh, plastic squares, or they uh, they um, made a little house. When she was uh, normal sized Alice, and when she uh, grew, they pushed out so it looked like she was getting smaller in relationship to the backdrop. Mm-hmm. And like it's just, it's there's no, there was no difficult um, prop producing for that show. Yeah, but that also, I mean, that sounds neat, and that sounds smart, and that sounds like someone really thought it out. But then you get to my least favorite part of any play producing it which is uh, blocking. And that sounds like nothing but blocking. That sounds oh, yeah, like a that's nightmare a ton of blocking. blocking. Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> that's a shitload of blocking, that's for sure. That's, I, that, yeah. that's why I like improv so much, is you don't, have to sp- you don't have to spend two days blocking scenes. You just go out there and do it, and then you're done. <laughs> I know that maybe if I'm angry, I'll <laughs> walk away or walk towards someone. I think I got that. Yeah, yeah. And as long as everyone has like a vaguely directorial eye for, like, staging, mm-hmm. then you're never going to have a problem. Yeah. Because people will give each other space because you're there to help each other out. True. Uh, yeah, that um, that kind of blocking is very much the style of most, uh, like, production pieces that are for high school age 
kids that get sent around to other high schools in like competitions or festivals, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, because they rely on a large ensemble. And when you the the larger programs that do well tend to have a lot of kids, but not every kid can be like a main character, so they involve the ensemble really intensely. Gotcha. Right. So they become a lot about blocking and directorial vision. It's interesting. It's weird. I've never seen uh, in uh, prof- in like professional theater, but I think it's it's kind of untapped hmm. um, because it I don't know it does something very different. Yeah, than what you can see. It, it seems like in, in I don't know in professional theater you have money to make sets and and you know if you're watching Wicked you have all these crazy ass scene changes and everything that like that and you don't have to. You know, it's it's the it's the independent theater companies that are doing original works or are doing reimagining of different plays where the the more interesting stuff seems to come yeah. out of. I actually think it's a real shame that Broadway is doubling down so hard on spectacle right now because uh-huh. I don't think that I think that theaters. I mean, theaters' big competition is movies. Right? Theater versus movies in terms of what can deliver a story, mm-hmm. and I think that unfortunately, I mean, movies just win on spectacle. <laughs> oh man, did you see Gravity? So good. Yeah. I didn't see Gravity. Oh, I should see it. If you want, it is. I I talked about this last podcast a, a, <laughs> a lot because it's so awesome. So you know, I'll leave it at that. Just go go fucking see Gravity. It's great. Yeah, or listen to the last podcast. Yeah. <laughs> then I'll have then, no, then it'll be almost as good. Yeah, exactly. I I recommend everyone listen to the last podcast instead of seeing Gravity. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, spectacle. Oh man, spectacle. Okay, the thing is, is that movies went on spectacle, mm-hmm. and oh. theater can't beat them. Yeah, yeah. But what theater can do is represent things in abstract ways that you would not buy on a movie set because it's supposed to look exactly like life. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can believe that a house is shrinking because people are moving in a different way. Yeah, it on ma- theater, it's uh, it makes yeah, it makes people use their brains instead of just sitting there in a passive state, having something pass through their eyes. Yeah, you can get real, real impressionist with uh, theater in a way that you can't. And I wish that, I wish that that was the way the theater was going. Mm-hmm. Maybe it is. I haven't seen uh, a big, uh, a big Hollywood play recently. Uh, and a Hollywood play. What am I saying? Hollywood plays. A big Hollywood play. You know those big Hollywood. Oh plays? yeah, those uh, 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 Buzzy Berkeley uh, Hollywood plays. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the uh, Broadway productions. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I've gotten, I've gotten to a point where I don't go out and see a lot in general, mostly because it seems like an effort. Everything about life seems to, the older you get, the more effort, uh, or the less effort it takes to get you to not do something. <laughs> it just ultimately your reaction to why not do, not do that is just, okay, I won't. Yeah, it's just lower and lower. The threshold is just like, oh, that I gotta, I gotta drive someplace. 
Forget about that. <laughs> I'm not driving. Oh, I'm a, am I a crazy person? It's almost four. Right. I gotta. I gotta put on my slippers soon. Uh, get the get that pot roast working. Yeah, but it. Yeah, it's. I want. I. I should. I should go out and see more. Mm-hmm. But I'm not gonna guilt myself into it necessarily. <laughs> There's only so much. Yeah. I should be watching more movies. Right. I should feel guilty about my movie. That's so weird. You should, uh, I'm not celebrating the communal culture enough by visiting movies. <laughs> right. I'm not listening to the radio enough. I should put on that top forty station. Mm-hmm. Hear those same songs over and over again. This way, I'll know what everyone else is listening to. That's important. Yeah. There's something tough about being in the uh, improv or theater community, though, where everyone you know is doing something, so you're almost overwhelmed by things to see, so you end up seeing nothing so as not to show favoritism or, right. you know. Oh, yeah, just Eric doesn't see shows. That's fine. He didn't see my show. He didn't see your show because yeah. he doesn't see shows. Ex- yeah, exactly. Everyone, Everyone's kind of on the same level then. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. People really appreciate it when you go out and see their shows. And oh, yeah. it's Oh, yeah. A friendship of mine ended in college because uh, some people I knew left during an intermission of a show I was in. Oh, snap. Yeah. That, that is, that's worse than not going. Yeah, it was. I don't know what. I don't know what it is. A friend of mine were in that show, and we just stopped hanging out with him after that. Wow. <laughs> it was kind of. It was a final straw, right? But like, it's that kind of thing. You got to see the show, and if you go, you got to see the whole thing, <laughs> no matter how bad it is. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. You and if a show is bad, you tell them it was. You know, unless they're unless they sit you down. And like ask for your honest opinion, like they like like maybe you're the guy who's known for their no holds barred uh, uh, impressions of things. Um, mm-hmm. Then you just say great job, and that's it. You know, even if you didn't like it, you say great. I mean, Chris, great. They did a great job. I'm sure they did good. They tried, but you know that was a piece of shit. But you're not gonna tell them yeah. that unless they like unless they corner you and drive yeah, it out of you. There has to be some. Implication of physical harm. <laughs> yep. Because yeah, there's. I mean, there's nothing that can, that more difficult than telling someone that something they did, especially like theater stuff where it's so it's so much your life for so long. Yeah, absolutely. You've worked so hard on it. Mm-hmm. And then for factors, probably beyond this person's control. It turns out not to be as good, mm-hmm. right? And that's that. It's uh, it's. I think it's easier in that sense. It's harder if they're like if like they didn't do a good job with their character, or if they're the lighting designer and the lighting design just wasn't any good. Like, mm-hmm. what do you say about? Say, <laughs> <laughs> so, how did you like the show? Uh, who who was on jail duty? Um, because <laughs> they they need to go back to school. <laughs> you know, I thought your designs were great. I think the people who were implementing them probably messed it up. <laughs> you know, oh no, they did what I told them to. Oh yeah, they probably did it in a sloppy way, though. <laughs> uh, they were. Yeah. I don't think. Um, uh, 
uh, one of the lines that got used a lot uh, by people in my theater department was, I can't tell you how much I like that. (laughs) (laughs) That is, that is wonderful. That is perfect. (laughs) Especially if you put the right pauses right after. I cannot tell you how much I like that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it is. <laughs> what I said was great. <laughs> I'm suddenly getting real specific about denotative use. <laughs> right. As long as you don't ask me any more questions about this musical taste I have, we are all set. <laughs> Art is great. Art, yeah. And it's so subjective, too. Yeah. It is, you know... Not every play, not every play, not every movie, not everything is for everybody. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's someone who really liked that piece of shit George Surratt play. Maybe someone really <laughs> liked it a lot. Maybe they liked it a lot, and they're hearing this podcast, and they're hearing that people didn't like it for the first time, right? Because <laughs> no one was brave enough to tell them that they can't tell them how much they enjoyed that. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's um. There's there's nothing, I think, that reduces, like, fully capable adults into needy children than finishing a piece of art. Yeah. And I... You show it, you just, you just need that love. You need that, uh, that like, this love from everyone. Yeah. I, when I... It's different if you are next or at least with me it's different if i'm next to someone looking at something i've created and mm-hmm. say it's a video or or a, a comic or 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 something like that which can be viewed uh what it's not two of me it's just me and another person uh, i can't watch someone consume my art because i just get so nervous Oh yeah, it's different. Like af- yeah. after a play, where you're seeing people and going, "Oh, they're going great job." It's like, "Oh, my heart is full now," but mm-hmm. but during during it, like when they're like, "How are they going to react?" I, I get I get preemptively embarrassed. Oh yeah, yeah, no, me, no, totally me too. Because it is just because uh, you don't know if their internal response is what you're imagining their internal response is to be. Mm -hmm. So, like, every flinch or, like, blink Mm -hmm. is telling you that they hated it. Oh, you know know what it is? It is like watching someone open up a present you gave them as well. It's exactly like that. Like, are they going to Mm -hmm. accept or reject what I got them and they're no who rejects who rejects a present but are they gonna fake it and is that gonna hurt too it's like oh great yeah, like this. are they are they excited about this present are they faking it mm-hmm. uh, human i'm never hum- gonna buy anyone a present again that's a good idea it is a it is a racket <laughs> it's so it's so uh it's so intense watching uh, watching people open those things, yeah. and even even receiving presents can be tough. Oh, what was it? Even um, even receiving presents, I think. Oh can yeah. Be tough. Oh yeah. There's a panic there too because then you're in the other seat. You like 
how opening it up and preparing for like, what if I don't like this? I got to get ready to show that I am appreciative. Mm-hmm. And here we it's are so complaining about getting presents. Yeah, it's so funny. We, what we did as a society, mm-hmm. we came together and thought, we need to find some way to let people know that they enjoy each other and that they like each other so they can give gifts. And we've turned the gifts that were supposed to be a symbol of 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 affection into this um into this guessing game of whether or not there's actual affection being passed around around mm. the gift. Right. Uh, we yeah, this is yeah, there's no way to get out of this. There's there's no way in our lifetime. I mean maybe <laughs> maybe we'll extend our lifetime with science to like an extra ten or twenty years in our lifetime. Maybe maybe our lifetime will be extended. And that'll, you know, maybe that is a some progress that we can make as a society, but we cannot, there's no way, unless there's total collapse of society in general, there's no way that giving presents is going to stop. No. We, and there might be, we might be able to make it easier if as a whole we can just double down on the gift card thing. Yeah, let's just give gift cards. Yeah. I know it's like, it's like a, it's like the present for people who didn't think of anything right that's the stigma but i think if we all just look in our hearts and agree that you just that we're not going to do better right it's not money it's not thoughtless there it's mm-hmm. it is it is there's some thought i have to decide i have to decide what store to get you a gift card to you know that's yeah. that's something right and, and that's the you, only way you can mess up, because if you buy someone a gift card to Target, then you just called them a hit. Right. Or Barnes & Noble, it's like, just give me a pillow. <laughs> yeah. No, gift um, yeah, just get what you want. Here, I appreciate you, get what you want. But then again, at that point, we're just exchanging different forms of money, and at that point, <laughs> why don't we just stop? Let's just stop. <laughs> why don't we... Let's just keep yeah. our money. Let's just keep our money ours and stop like <laughs> passing it around in a circle of hot potato. And just... We should just hold that we both have money to give each other uh-huh. and, and walk away with a warm feeling in our hearts. Yeah. Let's just hug and then like, happy birthday. There you go. Uh-huh. That's, that's our interaction. Let's not go <laughs> to a video game club. <laughs> So you also want to get rid of celebrations? Uh, yeah, but that—that's—that's that's more me. That's more. I don't <laughs> want to necessarily be stuck in a place with people. That's so boring. Be <laughs> like in the bead store of clubs. Oh man. The yeah. I guess your kryptonite is like a like a club that is also a bead store. Oh man. That is a, a, a just a logistical nightmare. <laughs> How are you keeping track of the beads? How are you keeping track of the beads? Uh, everyone needs to sign a waiver when they come in if they swallow or slip on beads. <laughs> it's it's there's you're gonna have to be insured up the wazoo. <laughs> you have these bead assembly things around the side of the room, and then. You also have these rentable parts uh, where you can sit next to people who are grinding and you can assemble <laughs> necklaces. Yeah, 
Yeah, you have the your little wire pinching stations and your magnifying glasses um, and your tweezers. You got your whole station worked up <laughs> next to someone in booty shorts. Or you can paint miniatures. Like, uh, those are the things that you can do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I bet that's satisfying in the way that building a model is satisfying, which means it's satisfying to a certain type of person and nobody yeah. else. I never understood that type of person. I think actually until today, when I found this blog called Things Fitting Perfectly Inside Other Things or something like that. Okay. And it was just pictures of just different objects fitting perfectly inside other things. Hmm. Like of like a dime fitting into a, uh, into the specific kind of like bottle cap or uh, like a um, Starbucks coffee cup fitting exactly into a specific trash can hole receptacle. Gotcha. Interesting. And I was, I, I went through like 50 of those things. <laughs> and I felt this weird sense of uh, sort of a completion. Interesting. Like, I, like it was, it's honestly still baffling what oh. it is that I felt because of that. That's a part of you that you never knew. No, yeah, the weird, anal-retentive part of myself that I didn't know existed. It sounds like the same part of me that sometimes just wants to curl up in a closet on top of a pile of coats. Oh, yeah, you know, kind of like that. It's yeah. kind of like this com- completing quality. The, this, uh, yeah, this enclosed, safe, kind of, you know, just fit. Mm-hmm. Everything was meant to be in this spot. Yep. <laughs> On the opposite of that, I have a blog called Feeding Objects, where I take pictures of myself feeding inanimate objects things, like bananas <laughs> I feed to a trash can. Not a trash can, or a... I don't know. It's it's just something that looks like it has a mouth, maybe, or just smushing it into a wall. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, the, it's... It's weird. <laughs> It makes, it's the opposite of the it, other It is. Talk. It's, it's the exact opposite. Yeah. It makes me laugh, though. It doesn't give me that <laughs> completed it feeling. It makes it seem like something's being stuffed. Yes. It's, yeah. Because, yeah, uh, an, an object, it's almost like a, ch- a child with its mouth shut where an airplane right. won't come through, so you just end up smushing it into the child's mouth. It's almost like every <laughs> object is, a, is an un, uh child who isn't hungry <laughs> yeah an unruly child who mm-hmm. doesn't want to eat yep <laughs> yep the opposite wow i want to see that what, what's what's the um feeding, what's the name of the blog again feeding objects feeding objects yep so you didn't even ask me to do any cross-branding for you i know but it, and... it's, it's <laughs> it works <laughs> That sounds great. It, yeah, um, just a dumb. I'll, dump. I'll watch that. I'll look through that and the other blog at the same time and see if I get any sort of like differently calibrated feelings. Yeah, you'll you'll, you'll you won't be uh, you won't be gaining altitude, but you won't be plummeting. You'll be just right in the middle. <laughs> It'll be exactly the same. We're just we're just finding things to keep you keep you level. Level at a low altitude. Yep. Yeah. Oh man, have we? Is that enough callbacks for one complete conversation? Yeah, I, th- I think I think <laughs> we've come full circle a couple of times. 
but this was the full yeah, circle. Mm-hmm. We have we have uh, we have permission from the airport to land now. We've gone around <laughs> the airport enough times. Taxi? No taxi. What's it where they circle the airport? Oh, uh, Hold I don't it. know. You're I just don't... in a holding pattern. Yeah, I guess you're in a holding pattern yeah. until you uh, until you descend. Yeah. All right. Right. We've we listen. Uh, this whole conversation has been just a shitty holding pattern. And not enjoyed myself at all. It's time, it's time to end this by losing altitude. All right. Uh, no, good. It's a uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Good chatting to you. Good chatting good to you. Either. What the fuck did I just say? Chatting to you. That's yes. what. Oh my god. <laughs> We've been chatting towards each other. Yeah, and it's just just pummeling you in the face with words. Uh, good chatting with you, Seth. Thanks for uh, yeah, thanks for taking the time. No problem. It's been a lot of fun, Eric. I hope you can somehow take uh, my half-formed sentences and make at least like fifteen minutes worth of useful material with it. Listen, I I have had a cat batting at my door, so if that doesn't ruin everything, then nothing <laughs> then nothing will. All right. All right. Cool. Well, you take care. You too, Seth. All right. All right. Back. See you later. Yeah. And there you have it. Thanks again to Seth Flagg for taking part in that chat. So my main takeaway from this conversation is how awkwardly it started, but how well it turned out. And I'm so concerned with seeming awkward that I over-awkward it up or pointed out. And I've made this observation plenty of times. But that shouldn't be limiting. So just because a conversation is awkward to start out doesn't mean it can't go someplace great. doesn't mean there can't be connections because that is just this growing process. And if you want to get deeper, that's life in general, you guys. Wow. What? So I went with the, you know, where do you live? Because it started off so weird. And then that answer wasn't straightforward. But, you know, it's this mess... It's, it's the opposite of entropy. It's, it's a whole scattered mess, and it, it becomes more organized as we proceed. That's, a, you know, don't, if you're a scientist, don't email me. Well, email me if you want to chat, because that'd be super interesting. But don't, don't point out, I'm, I'm an armchair scientist at the most. But yeah, it was a, it was an interesting conversation. I love, I love commiserating over stories of misery, maybe, you know, when you fall asleep in a bookstore it's just that's it's so fantastic i love it it's just these little interesting parts of people's lives that you there's things there are things you don't really imagine or think about and it's so interesting when they pop and then you know that's the reason to have these conversations that's the reason to reach out there and just explore all these other people out there in the world even though the majority of people I've talked to have been into theater. With enough episodes, we should get away from that. So, thanks to Seth. Thanks again for taking part in the conversation. If you know someone who does not know me, does not know the podcast, and they might be interested, tell them to go to betterstrangers.com, click on the sign-up button to the right, and submit their information, and we can have a conversation that's not about theater, maybe? Not that I'd hate that, but, you know, let's stretch our boundaries. If you know someone who doesn't want to chat with me but might like the podcast, send them my way. Go to iTunes, 
subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends. Rating and reviewing, this isn't a very populated genre in iTunes, so any rating and reviewing helps astronomically. Musical thanks always goes to Brad Sucks at bradsucks.net. You can go there and download his albums for free, but, you know, Radiohead plan you should pay what you think you should i bought them all with monies so i suggest you do the same but brad sucks is fantastic you can follow me on twitter at eric that's a-r-i-c oh uh better strangers is part of the noise picnic network so you can go to noisepicnic.com for other fantastic podcasts and eh, go to the mustache rangers mustacherangers.com that's my other podcast it's two guys flown through space having uh awkward conversations you know when so many of the things you do tend to be the same, that's that's really a reflection of who you are, isn't it? Uh, all right. Well, that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. I will talk to you later.